Okay, it's a great truth, great, great, good, good choice of song before the sermon that uh, it'll sort of fit. Uh, good to be here. I'm going to preach my second sermon this morning. Uh, please turn to First Kings chapter number 19. Uh, I was glad to see uh, Paul Haycock leading uh, the singing this morning uh, after his comments last night that the uh, Israeli flag was uh, looked like something from the Canterbury colours, um, and then uh, not recognising the flag of Papua New Guinea, I thought he would be taken out either by Mossad or uh, by some enraged islander on his uh, on his way home, and he survived that. I think we need to uh, increase his time at the school, if you know what I mean. First uh, Kings chapter number 19. I, I, I think this message, I think the truth of this message will help you. And, uh, you know, uh, if I have a hesitation uh, in preaching messages like this, one is, for me, often the familiarity of the text uh, sometimes, even when you feel God directed to a certain text, when you know that that text has been preached on a hundred times and 50 of those times you did it, um, you, you kind of stray away from that. But, but uh, uh, I, I don't want to miss that because I don't want to miss giving what, what I think God would, would have us to give. And uh, secondly, the subject matter uh, is something that I've uh, contemplated much more over the last uh, few years than at other times in my life. I, I, I I've had this before at other times in my life, uh, but, but particularly the last few years, I've been caused more to meditate on and to try to understand it a little bit better. And uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning, I've titled the message, uh, The Audacity of Fear. The Audacity of Fear. And uh, with the word audacity, uh, I, I would define it this way, uh, audacity, uh, in this sense, would be perhaps an inappropriate boldness, uh, a, a boldness that is out of order. Uh, and so when we think about the audacity of fear, in times gone by, people, maybe somebody would do something and people would say, the audacity. And it was like that was an inappropriate uh, uh, you know, thing to do. And how, how dare you do that? How bold of you to do that? So I want to talk about the audacity uh, of fear and uh, show you something here. Now, uh, for, for all of us this morning, the things that uh, we are likely to fear may be very varied uh, amongst us all. Uh, so, so for some, uh, perhaps on foreign fields, what they fear might be very real things that are fearful that they did not encounter back in their home country. And so they're now in an environment that has certain threatening elements that, that they just didn't perhaps anticipate or maybe they, they knew, but, but it, it's a new dynamic to their life. Uh, but to others, uh, uh, maybe they, they, they don't have that. Uh, but perhaps their fear is, is, I've heard people say this, when when God has been uh, seemingly talking to them about going out further, doing more for God, uh, stretching beyond where they were, 
I've had people uh, uh, say this, but what will happen to us? And uh, there's a fear in that, that if I go out, if I launch out in my giving, if I launch out in my service, uh, if, I, if I take a risk for God, uh, what will happen? What will happen if this doesn't work? Or what will happen if I get there to that place and such and such happens? And so there's an element of fear in that that rises up and a fear that stops you from doing what God wants you to do is a successful one. It has achieved its purpose. Uh, if it's able to debilitate you or able to, to cause you to balk at the will of God. And, and you'll see here that uh, the devil uses fear to stop the Lord's people just getting a lot of things that God would like to give them and, 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 and uh, missing out on a lot of blessings that they would have got because fear stopped them from going forward. So, so this should not be something that uh, is, is just for a missionary in darkest Africa. Uh, all of us will be visited by this. Uh, I've sat with people uh, who are very fearful about the consequences of ill health and what that might mean and what that might do to the family. Uh, the, fear, the fear of failure stops many people from even trying. Uh, the fear of losing someone uh, or something... Uh, stops many people from ever having someone or something. And they say, oh, I just couldn't go through that again. And uh, so that fear has put them in a place where they, they're going to miss out on what God is trying to give them because of their fears about how that, how that might go again. Uh, fear doesn't respect age, and I found it does not respect experience or Christian maturity either. In other words, uh, it's not like you get to a place of uh, spirituality or Christian maturity where fear will never visit you. Fear will always come. Uh, uh, anytime you, you go out for God, anytime you're doing something for the Lord, anytime there's a new step that God is trying to lead you to, you can expect the voice of fear uh, to come to you. Now, I, I want to read from 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, just uh, four verses uh, here, and I'm going to presume uh, that mostly <clears throat> you know what happens before this. So let's read verse uh, uh, 1 of First Kings chapter 19, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. 
uh, Elijah faced a moment uh, of fear that was very real to him. And as a consequence of that, uh, he fled from the work of God. Now, he was very despondent about that afterwards. And, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's hard to know uh, what might have happened if he had not run away. Uh, we, we don't know that. What we can say, we can thank God that God is bigger than us and we can thank God that, that all that God does doesn't just hang on my ability or my trustworthiness. I'm saying that the sovereignty of God and the, the, the way that God works, thankfully, uh, is much bigger than uh, one man, the, uh, even a great man like this. I spoke to a Thai pastor years ago who told me his salvation story. And uh, he said to me, uh, he said, I, I asked him, how did you get saved? And, and uh, he said he worked in a, a store that sold uh, what we'd say white goods, refrigerators, you know, ovens, uh, stuff for, for a home. And he was the boss, he was the manager, he had employees of that store. And uh, one day a missionary, this was in Bangkok, one day a missionary came into the store and uh, the missionary was buying, you know, a fridge or something for his, uh, I guess, for setting up. Now, those missionaries, that missionary, by the way, had been labouring uh, in uh, Bangkok for quite some time, years, uh, without a convert, trying to build a local church but not being able to reach anybody, standing on the street giving out tracts but nothing apparently uh, coming of that. So he goes into the store to buy a refrigerator whatever, this man, uh, who is living a wild life, uh, he's spending time at the bar, he smokes, he has multiple girlfriends, he has multiple wives, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the full Asian experience of how that can happen uh, in those positions. And, and so the man comes in, uh, this, the, the, the Thai sees the foreigner and says, well, he goes to talk, you know, let me take care of this. He goes and steps in. And uh, they sell the fridge, but the Thai says to the missionary, so why are you in Bangkok? What, are you, what, are you, what do you do here? Do you have a business or what do you do here? Conversation. And the missionary says, uh, no, no, I'm here as a missionary. And uh, the Thai says, that Thai man says, oh, uh, can you give me a Bible? He, want, he, he, he wants to read a Bible. He's heard about Bibles. He doesn't have one. He'd like to read one. He said, Do you have a, can you get me a Bible? And the missionary says, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll get one and I'll send it to you. And he goes and completely forgets about it. Now he's, but he completely forgets about it. So the Thai man working in the white goods store, uh, he waits, he waits, his Bible never comes, and finally he gets angry. And he looks up the man's name who bought that refrigerator and he phones him and he says, why did you say to me you were going to send me a Bible but you never sent it? And the missionary said, oh, uh, right, I'll get on to that. And uh, so they got him the Bible. Eventually it came. Uh, that Thai man got saved, went to the church, 
uh, became their most prominent faithful convert uh, and went on to become the pastor of that church and was so for some 28 years. Now, now, you know, so you see God in all of that, God's ability to even get beyond, you know, and I'm sure, by the way, the missionary will really appreciate you, uh, me telling you that story, uh, you know, but he probably will never tell that story because, you know, it doesn't look really good when you just, but, but is it not true that, that sometimes all of us in the service of the Lord are just not everything that we should be, but we thank God his ability to work beyond that. And so, so yes, God was using Elijah, the man of God, and, and uh, he runs away here. He's very despondent. And the reason he, he flees is because Jezebel, who is a queen, has authority, and she, uh, she threatens, I'll kill you. you. You'll be dead by tomorrow. I promise. And, uh, and uh, he, he runs away, and then in despondency, mostly about himself, uh, he sits down and uh, he, he, uh, he says to God in uh, verse number four, you know, I'm just no good. I'm, 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 I'm not any better than my father was. And uh, some of us relate to that phrase more than others. Not any better than my father was. And, uh, you know, just better you kill me now. And he was pretty despondent that he, he dropped the ball, that he fled, that he ran away. He was, uh, but nonetheless, uh, God works and, you know, other things would happen. But I, I want to just <clears throat> look at this thing and uh, there's just four simple thoughts here about uh, fear. Uh, what is clear is on that day, on that day, Elijah was overcome with fear and uh, he fled. You know, fear wants to stop you again from going on to do what God wants you to do. Are you, are you listening to me, ladies? That fear will visit your thoughts about all, mostly what can go wrong and what could happen. And the idea is to stop you, people who've been hurt before, uh, your fears of what occurred before can stop you receiving what God is trying to give you. And, uh, and it's, not that, it's not that God's not ready, it's that you're not ready. But God is ready, and God is ready to do. And God is ready to bless. And God is ready to meet you as you, go, as you take your step of faith. Uh, much awaits. Uh, but fear will, fear will war against you. And uh, it's going to visit you at, at different levels. Well, you know, what, what about when I get old? You know, what, what about my financial security? What, what becomes of me then? And there are many people who are making f decisions based on their fears uh, rather than the decisions based on what God would be wanting them to do. Do you understand that? If, 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 you, if you're being schooled and you're sitting at the feet of fear then that's dictating to you your steps. Uh, that's not the way that you intersect the blessings of God. Uh, but nonetheless, it will come. It will come. And that's what the message is called, the audacity of fear. So, so, so let's notice the, 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 the audacity of fear. Uh, that, that, that fear will just, just do it. And here's the first one. You see the audacity of fear 
to send a messenger in the rain. All right, now that's the response I'd expect to get when I say that. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me show you this. In chapter 17, in verse number 1, uh, Elijah went to, to, to uh, Israel and to those people who were living in apostasy and sin, and he said, he says, uh, the rain will now cease. There will be no more rain and there'll be no more dew even on the ground uh, except by my word. That's what he said. So, so what you have is for the last three and a half years, this place has been in the worst of droughts. There isn't a person anywhere who's not touched by this. Uh, remember the widow who was just going to uh, make the last little bit up of food and, uh, and eat it and die. And the people were dying and all the animals had died. And uh, there was nothing green, there was no vegetables at the market, there was no crops in the fields, uh, uh, the, 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 any stock that was alive was, was bony. And, and I'm just saying that, that there was no doubt what was going on. It was dry, parched, uh, may, maybe some said, well, you know, I don't know, it's global warming or whatever, but it was the word of Elijah who stopped the rain. And so what I'm saying is everybody knew that. <clears throat> Every time Jezebel went to the window and opened the curtains, she could see what was outside. And the drought was witnessing to the word of God and the word of Elijah. The drought was saying, uh, God is with this man. Because this man turned off the tap. This man said, no more rain. How do you stop the rain? How do you alter the weather? Well, what, what, do you, what do you do that you just, I mean, what, what power can just change the whole weather system and just call a drought at a word and that's it. And so here they are, they're in, they're in chronic drought, uh, everybody knows, and it is a judgment and it's designed to be seen as a judgment. And everybody's, now, and it's hard and there's nothing, kids are crying and it's just awful and it's going on and on and on and on. And uh, so... Uh, then God says to Elijah, go show yourself. And Elijah comes out and he meets Ahab. And, uh, and Ahab says, oh, thou that troublest Israel. You know, Ahab knew you the one who turned off the rain and you did all this. And then remember they meet at Mount Carmel. And Elijah goes to Mount Carmel. All the people go up there. And now there's a contest or a demonstration where God will be shown to be uh, far superior to uh, any of these other false gods and, and, and spirits and such that they worship. And you know the story, it happened in the chapter before where Elijah is up on the mountain and he gives them a chance to call down fire and they can't do it. And, uh, and then uh, Elijah's up there and, and uh, he says, uh, okay, let's, let's do this and, and uh, sets it up and says, uh, now go ahead and wet it all down. And uh, they're like, and do it again. And then uh, at his prayer, fire comes down and dramatic fire that burns up the whole thing. And I was saying, everybody can see that God is with this man. And then finally, 
uh, before, before they go back, Elijah says, uh, one more thing. And he goes to the mountain to pray with his servant and it talks about it in James. James highlights his prayer, the power of his prayer. Though he was a man of like passions, though he was, he was a man, and we see that in, in a little bit after. But he prays, he prays and he says to his servant, is there any rain yet? And no. And he prays again, go look now. And the servant goes, nothing. And he prays again. I don't know about you, I don't know, would you have stopped at the third or the fourth or the fifth? I don't know. But, but he keeps praying and finally the clouds appear and now there's a torrential rain. All right, can you see? Can you see what's gone on if you've been there? There's a, it's raining. It's raining. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. It's raining, torrential rain, because the man of God, Elijah, called it down. And everybody knows that. And it's pouring, raining. And he says to Ahab, you better get in your chariot and get off this mountain or you won't get down. And, uh, and so it's raining and you would think, okay, it's enough there now to demonstrate the power of God and the presence of God. You can see it. There's no, there's no, there's no doubt here about what is going on. And yet, would you expect... That, uh, that despite that, the audacity that Jezebel sends a messenger to run through the puddles and run through the rain and arrive at the door wet to threaten the man of God, to invoke fear. And I'm saying that, in summary, is the audacity of fear that God is present and God is blessing and God has demonstrated already all that he's able to do and God has shown that he's not held back by, by any darkness, any demons, any... Uh, uh, it's raining, it's raining. But the audacity of fear is that even in the midst of the blessing, are you hearing me? Even in the midst of the blessing, fear comes along to try to throw you off course. And that's the audacity of it. That, that, that you'll see God leading your family and blessing. And God, is, God has led you step by step. And you, do you want to go back further? God led you to your wife or led you to your husband. And how God put you together and God blessed your home and God provided for you. You know, our problem is, is that the devil wants us to forget our blessings and we do forget them so quickly. And God does all of this. And what I'm saying is it's raining. It's raining. It's, it's the hand. It's all. It's raining. Good you have a Baptist church. It's raining. It's raining. And we're in the midst of blessing and then fear comes along and will threaten you and try to drive you away. You know, the intent is to get you to run away from exactly where God has you to be. And that's what it worked. It worked for Elijah. That the audacity to send a messenger in the rain that he has called down. And that is that every drop is witnessing to the word of God and the power of God. 
Every drop is witnessing, is speaking of God. And yet fear is, does not respect that. You, even in the midst of blessing and all that God is doing, fear can visit you and will, will come and knock on your door and, uh, and, and bring up something designed to grip your heart in fear. And, call, and, and the idea is to get you, yourself, to run away from exactly what God is trying to do and has been doing through you. And that's what happened here. You know, in, in World War II, when the Americans started sweeping through the South Pacific in their war against Japan, and, uh, and they, first they drove the uh, Japanese out of all the countries that they'd invaded, so they, they pushed them out, and Singapore and the Philippines and Malaysia, and they pushed Thailand, they pushed them all back. And then they started making their way to the Japanese mainland, though it's a series of islands. And uh, they got to Okinawa, which is, you know, to the Americans, a sort of sacred battlefield. They, they, they have certain associations there because of considerable loss and struggle. They got to Okinawa and there were a lot of Japanese people living on that island who, who, who were not necessarily soldiers. So there were, there were ladies, there were wives of people and there were mothers, there were grandmothers and aged aunties and there were little children. And they'd lived in o Okinawa like they'd probably lived for a long, long time. But what happened was uh, uh, word, lies began to be spread about what was coming. And the lie was this. If the Americans capture you, uh, they'll rape you. Uh, they'll eat your children. Uh, they'll, they'll cut your baby. And the, these lies begin to circulate all around amongst the Japanese civilians who were there about what would happen to them if, if, if they fell into the hands of the Americans. Now, none of that was true. That didn't happen. There was no, no plan for that. Nobody did that. That was never going to happen. Uh, in fact, uh, later on, uh, the Americans went to great, uh, uh, you know, considerable effort after they did capture some Japanese to parade them on film and show them sitting there, you know, with water being treated to try to counter that. But because that lie, listen, because that lie took hold in grandmothers and mothers and aunties and uncles and the fear, the fear, there's a, there's a, there's a cliff face up there that hundreds if not thousands went to, mothers with their children, old people, and they chose to jump off the cliff and have their bodies smashed below rather than have what they thought would happen to them if they were captured. Now, the tragedy is none of that was true. That was never going to happen. Those little children that perished would have been fine. No one was going to do anything. But can you see that when fear takes hold, fear begins to, to tell a story. Fear begins to, to, to generate a narrative in your mind. And, uh, and uh, there can be an element of the story that is true. The Americans were there. But all the rest was not true. Uh, just think the tragedy of that, of all those people who suicided and killed themselves thinking that, that their children would be eaten and 
they were all going to be raped and, and it was all going to be all this awful stuff. Uh, just a few years later, the war ended. And a decade later, Japan had completely transformed. And 20 years later, when all the people who were still in that war were living completely different lives. And Japan was going to go on to become an incredibly prosperous country. Now, they never got to see any of that. Those little children who should have inherited all that never got to any of that because fear gripped them and it caused them to do something very, very dramatic and very, very, that just, that they never got to get what they were going to get. And I want to warn you of that, that, that it isn't just, for, for those of us on foreign fields, the, the, when fear visits, it's just different things. It's maybe things that we didn't have to deal with here, that we didn't anticipate or we didn't, it's a little bit hard to get your mind around it. But it happens to everybody here as well. There, there are people paralysed about making relationships because of what happened before. And every time they go to take a step, that fear will visit. And even though God is blessing, the audacity of fear is that, 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 that he will send a messenger even in the rain. And then the audacity of fear, secondly, is to say to you, uh, even though what it, all what's happened before, uh, in verse number 2, notice uh, towards the latter part of verse number 2, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, and here it is, by tomorrow. The audacity of fear is to say this, yeah, well, tomorrow. To tell you tomorrow. So, so here's what it's saying. Uh, fear likes to threaten you about what's coming even when it's not coming. Okay, so it gets you in the grip of, well, 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 well tomorrow. It, 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 yeah, yeah, you're okay now, but you wait. You, you wait till tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, God got you through this far, but wait till you see what's coming tomorrow. Wait till you see what's waiting for you. Well, that's, that, boy, that's, that, that, that's going to do you in for sure. And fear likes to scare you about, about what, what's going to happen tomorrow. And a whole lot of people are, are not serving God today because of their fears of what that could lead to tomorrow. And it, it may not even be so. Uh, I, I don't know why, if she really was going to kill him the next day, why do you, why do you message that ahead of time? Why, do you, why don't you just send someone to stick him in the heart when he opens the door? You know, I mean, really, if you, if you really are that empowered and you're going to do this, uh, why, why say, uh, oh, just, just you wait. Tomorrow you're done, mate. You know, that's it. And uh, none of, you know, the, the, it, it, see... But the problem is, it generates a fear that causes you to do something that even it wasn't going to do. You see what I'm saying? You become the person who says, I'll just jump off the cliff. Because there's, 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 there's just no way I could face that. So it's better I just go off the cliff. And, and a lot of people are jumping off cliffs over things that God is saying, that was never going to happen. Did you really think I would ever allow that to happen to you? That was never going to happen to you. And, uh, and you, you, uh, you, you hurt yourself when, when I, was always, I was always with you. Elijah, it was just hours ago. 
Remember? You called down fire from heaven. That hasn't been done in a while. Uh, Elijah, remember? Remember you prayed and, and did, you not, did you see Elijah? Elijah, you maybe don't understand it, but your prayer life is going to be celebrated in the scriptures. You're going to be lifted up as an example of power in prayer. But, but how is it that, that all of that can be true? And yet in a moment like that, at a, at a fear, at a threat, uh, such a man of God as that one would, uh, would run and, 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 and get out and flee because of his fear. And that's what fear will do. You see, the, the, the power of faith is in belief. You have to believe. But the power of fear is also in belief. And so those two things compete for the same space in your life. It's, they're both trying to occupy the same space. And, and it depends which one that you believe. Because both are effectual when they're accompanied with belief. So if you believe the fears, then it, then it becomes effectual in hindering you in your life. But if you believe God and you have faith, then that becomes effectual in working in your life. So what the enemy wants you to do, he tries to get you to appropriate fear instead of appropriating faith. And that's the battle that goes on. The audacity of fear to send a messenger in the rain. The audacity of fear to tell you, well, uh, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, there was a lady that we, uh, we led to Christ uh, in a small village in rural Thailand, somebody that uh, had been known to one of our people for a while, uh, probably mid-50s or late-50s. And so she's in a village. There's no churches anywhere, right? She's not going to get in a car, drive to church on Sunday morning. She doesn't have a car. And there isn't a church within Kui of that place. So just, just to let you know the environment. She's, she's, in a com- she's in an area with, you know, a few hundred other houses, uh, they're all Buddhist, the temple, their life, everything they do, life, death, burial, uh, you know, everything's tied to, to the temple. So she gets saved and immediately, what did her neighbours say to her? Uh, they said, uh, they said uh, mm, well, you might have that today, but what's going to happen to you when you die? Because the temple will not burn your body. So, so where will you go? Now, there's no graveyards. You understand what she's... There isn't any. She didn't drive past the cemetery on the way. There's none. There's none. Anyone that she's ever known, or anyone that anyone's ever known, when you die, they burn your body in the temple. They have a, a place that's dedicated to do that there. That's what you do. No one's ever seen anything different. So they say to her immediately, well... Well, what's going to happen to you? Now, you? now you've converted. Well, that's fine for today, but wait, you, you wait. You wait till it's coming. They said, you will die and the dogs will eat your body in the street. That's what they said to her. Now, you can go, <laughs> but see, to her, that was like very grievous. And she said to me, she said, well, she said to, uh, she said to Joe, uh, you know, the neighbours said to me that the dogs will eat my body in the street when I die. Uh, what, 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 what about that? And then Joe, Joe listened and 
Joe turned to me and, and Joe said, uh, the neighbours told her that when she dies and she's old, the dogs will eat her body in the street. What about that? <laughs> and I said, uh, we'll take care of it. And he went, we'll take care of it. <laughs> and she looked like, I'm not sure what that means. And I, was, I, I just, we'll take care of it. So what did you do? She's not dead yet. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's, that's, that's the audacity of it, to tell you tomorrow. And the idea of that was to sabotage what she'd done today, to stop her going any further. Number three, the audacity of fear is to ignore all that God has done already. Okay? It's when you get visited in the ministry and you have those dark uh, moments in the night where you think, I'm done. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I can't go any further. Uh, it's all unraveling. And, uh, and what's, what's trying to happen there is, is fear encourages memory loss that you would forget how God selected you and you would forget uh, all that God did to open the door and work many things to put you where he did and uh, you would forget the number of times before that where you felt overwhelmed above measure beyond strength but you got through and God was with you and, uh, and that's what fear tries to do. Fear tries to get you to ignore all God has done for you already to make you, to put fear in you about, but, you know, when I get old or, or, or when my time comes to die or if this would happen to me. And that's just the warfare of fear to try to make you forget the audacity of fear, the audacity to ignore all that God has done already. You see, what fear likes to do is to hang you on a moment a moment of dark reflection instead of your own history of God's provision and goodness in your life. Fear wants to hang you on a moment and just get you to park it there, just stay right there and, in, and just hang it all on one dark moment instead of all that God has already done for you. Uh, and then lastly, the audacity of fear uh, we see here is to suggest that somehow your life uh, is in someone else's hands. And she came and she said, uh, by tomorrow, mate, you, I'll have you done in. You know, I pledge myself to the gods. I'll kill you myself by tomorrow. And, and the audacity of that is to say, uh, I will do this to you. Uh, uh, your life is in my hands. No, no you nasty witch. Um, my, my life is in God's hands. My life is not in your hands. The same God who is with me will take care of me. But that's the audacity of fear, is to say to you that uh, somehow, you know, someone else is controlling the destiny of your life. That is not so. God is with you. God, God your life is in God's hands. You're already part of a very small minority uh, that, that was given light to be able to be saved and, and you are saved and you're a child of God and thank God for that. How many of your family aren't even there yet? Uh, God help them, but uh, you, you, you're right here. I'm just saying that's God's working in your life. Your life is in God's hands. 
When God saved you, God determined to walk with you. God who saved you knew the end before the beginning. And it's all, it's all in place. And God's hands are much bigger than fear's hands. God can take care of you. Your, hand, your life is not in the hands of circumstance. Uh, your life is not in the hands of fate or evil people even. Your life is in God's hands. Nothing can happen to you that God does not allow. Fear is very daring and audacious and will try to make you pack up and run. But you need to remember God and you need to appropriate faith. Let's bow for a word of prayer this morning. I wonder how many people as we bow for prayer this morning would would confess to the fact that, you know, the voices of fear uh, have been visiting me or have visited me and uh, I need to, I really need to dispel that. I need to, I need to have more faith and I need God. I wonder how many people this morning you would say, look, this message really spoke to me this morning. I heard from God. Is that you? How many across the auditorium this morning like that? Okay, let, God bless you. Let's go ahead and stand and let's, let's just take a moment. If God has spoken to you this morning as the music is playing, maybe bring your fear to the altar or just bring those thoughts to the altar and just take a moment to pray uh, and ask the Lord just to, just to uh, you know, fill you with faith and to purge out the fears and, and for God to give you the grace to embrace what God is giving you, to not, to not be defrauded out of the blessing, to, to not jump off the cliff over things that were never going to happen, and maybe, and maybe just say, God, I've been standing on the edge of the cliff. And you know I've been contemplating that, you know, and just pray now this morning that God would appropriate this, that great faith would enter your life and peace in your heart and, and God would give you the ability to just go on and receive uh, what he wants you to do. And the same God who was with you all those years before, do you remember? The same God who heard your prayers and came to you and opened doors and ministered and the same God who provided for you, the God who had you here in church this morning is the God who has the future things waiting for you. And just pray for faith. Ask God to, to here's my prayer, God, take away all anxiety and all fears but the fear of you. And that's a good prayer to pray. And may God just, just minister to you and help you with that uh, this morning.